Hey, podcasters. Before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And I encourage you to speak up on your podcast as well. Take care and spread the word. Will podcast advertising ever get a seat at the grown-up table alongside print, radio, television, and even digital? Or are we stuck in obscurity and a novelty forever? Hmm. Hello and welcome to another Podcast Pontifications with me, Evo Terra. This is week number seven, or not week seven, this is item number seven of my 10-part miniseries on the future of podcasting. And today I'm going to look advertising square in the face. And even though, as I said on yesterday's show, even if you don't run ads, there are repercussions for you. Now, the challenge here thinking about advertising really goes back to how advertising was created. So a little quick, brief history lesson, if you will let me. When print advertising came along, what people really wanted, the people who were advertising, the advertisers, they wanted eyeballs. They wanted people to read their ads because you use your ads to use your eyes to read the print. And so you wanted eyeballs. And so we have continued to hold onto that nomenclature, looking for eyeballs which, you know, are obviously connected to people, clearly. When radio came along next, suddenly we had ear holes we were appealing to. Nobody could see these radio waves going through the air, but they could certainly listen to what we had to say. And thus began the beginning of the conflict between eyeballs and ear holes. Then television came along, and you needed both. You really needed both to enjoy the television you were watching, and the TV ads were designed to be both visually and aurally appealing to you. Great. But in those three cases, now print, radio, television, we didn't have much in the way of... All we could do as we're buying those ads was buy based on demographics that we were told, that advertisers were told by the publishers of print, by the radio station managers, and obviously by the television networks on who is really listening. And we were buying ads basically based on content, the types of people we thought might be attributed to these content, that they might like this content. Well, then digital came along and kind of changed the game because now we're going for eyeballs and ear holes again, but we're also the first time ever able to actively and accurately track attribution. We could tell definitively when somebody visited a website after viewing an ad, or even better, after clicking to view an ad, after they clicked, <laughs> change the way I say that, clicking after they viewed an ad and going to the destination page. That was the holy grail. 
And that's one of the reasons why digital advertising made $111 billion overall just in the U.S. last year. So it brings me back to podcasting. See, podcasting is a weird hybrid. Is it digital? Yeah. But nobody can click. So all those little fun things that we get from click attribution and view attribution, words, terminology we use in the advertising space, we don't really have those in the podcast world. I think we were going to have those in the podcast world, but then a little thing called Cambridge Analytica happened. And that caused a chilling effect because people, and it's not like that was the beginning of it. People had been shouting the warning signs for some time about giving too much information to advertisers would be bad. Cambridge Analytica showed just how bad that could be. But at the same time, advertisers were telling everybody, no, no, wait, you don't understand. If we have all of this data, we can make much more relevant ads to you. We can only serve ads that matter to you. And that's true. They totally could do that. Those people who had that that approach, and, and if, if I'm honest, I tend towards that side of things. We have a much more utopian view of the future. But what really happened was dystopia. Because while we thought really good things would happen with this data, what turned out would we could actually prey on the on people's weaknesses and on the most unsavory of aspects. And now that we have new laws coming out of Europe, GDPR, new laws coming into California, consumer groups have set together, maybe we shouldn't be sharing all of this data. Maybe there's way too much danger. And I get it. I, I, I totally understand. We, we've seen the danger but at the same time, as I've said on the program before, these advertising companies aren't going to quit. They're going to want more data so that they can do, in their minds, better things with it to give you better content you love. The problem with this Cold War is it's kind of put us podcasters in a stalemate. Because what are we? Is it radio? Is it digital? You know, we don't have those click attributions. That's one big problem. We don't know where we fit. I think that the advancement of advertising dollars flowing into podcasting has been seriously curtailed by this battling Cold War we're under right now. And it's not a Cold War that's winnable. This is an ideological Cold War. And those are never winnable. Those take a long time, like generations, before they eventually resolve because the world moves on and doesn't care any longer. We're going to care about this for a long time. I like to bring potential solutions here on the program, but I'm not sure I have one here. Because even if really cool things could happen with voice assistants that suck now, I totally get it. But if they could improve to where you could be listening to an episode of a podcast and tell your assistant, hey, give me more information about that ad I just heard. I know that's a terrible example, but deal with it. That would be great, but still, it is going to require a lot of data to be given back to those advertisers, which freaks out a lot of consumer watchdog groups. And I know. So unfortunately, on this battle between eyeballs and ear holes 
and clickable fingers or other sorts of activities, I don't know what it's going to look like. This is, and I've been in advertising for almost 20 years. I, this is a really a black hole to me. I'm not sure where we're going to go. I do think we'll see technological advancements so that voice activated commands will work. You know, these screens that we have right now on our phones are huge, but our assistants don't have a phone. And that screen when I'm in my car is almost worthless to me because I need to be paying attention to driving. So I think we're going to see advancements in those areas, but how far can they go? I I just don't know. I think everybody's still really trepidatious. Is that the word I'm looking for? About too many enhancements in the advertising landscape, which stifles the amount of money flowing into us. It's just hard. I'm just saying it's a challenge. I'm just saying be on the lookout for new opportunities as they come, new technologies that enable new ways of engaging. I don't know. This one's a weird one for me. This is the, this is the toughest prediction I have in my list, which is why I say this Cold War goes on forever. The battle for ear holes and eyeballs will continue to rage because there's not an immediate solution for it, nor likely will there ever be. So that was part seven. I've got, uh, what's the, eight, nine, and ten. Three more coming on the program. Before I go, please, three things. Uh, One, if you want to give me comments about what you think about the future of advertising is like, great. Leave a comment wherever you're watching and or listening to this right now. Or flick.group slash podcast pontifications. Yes, there'll be a link in the episode details. If you like what I have to say and you want to show your love and support, buymeacoffee.com slash evoterra. And finally, if you are in business and need someone strategically thinking about your podcasting position from now on and all the way through to the future, please get in touch. Evo at podcastlaunch.pro. That's it. I shall be back tomorrow with yet another podcast pontifications. Cheers. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for the millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, Access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, 
Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.Cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.